0: Welcome to the 26th episode of the Head KO Podcast. Today we're going to be taking a look at UFC 263, and there is a lot to talk about. But we, before we get into that, make sure you go follow my other social medias: Twitter, Head KO Pod, TikTok, Head KO Podcast. If you like this podcast, you should enjoy. Those social medias, I post a lot on there, and there's more during the week and during the fights. So if you're interested in this, that should be something that you are interested in as well. So, and just a disclaimer here, this episode is looking like it's going to be a long one. didn't plan it out to be that way, but there's a lot to talk about. So before we start talking about some of these things i'm going to give you a quick rundown of what you're going to talk about so you can kind of jump around to the things that uh maybe you're more interested in if you're not 100 uh, percent interested in some of these topics so we're going to start off talking about the fans returning and the overall feel of this card then we're going to talk about the card of ufc 261 we're going to start at the main event and work our way down the card and we're only going to be talking about the main card Then, after that, we're going to have some other news. We're going to talk about Izzy versus Vittori, Nick Diaz, John Jones, and the heavyweight title fight. And then, Tyron Woodley. And then, we're going to talk for a second about Jake Paul and DC and the little run-in they had. And then, time permitting, we are going to talk about next week's fight card, which is Yuri Prohaska versus Dominic Reyes. And there's a lot of other fun fights on that card outside of the main event as well. So... Starting it off, this card felt electric. It was nice to have fans back. Originally, I wasn't too excited to have fans back. I like the feel of the empty arena. I like to be able to hear all the punches and kicks, you know, things like that. I like to be able to, you know, hear cornermen, And it's, it's more of, a, it feels like you're almost in the fight. You can tell what's going on, you know. So it's easier to watch. You don't have to deal with crowd boos, you know, things like that. Uh, You don't get the cringy little camera things where the UFC cuts over to the fans, the celebrity fans in the crowd. But I was pleasantly surprised here because these fans were electric. I mean, if there's ever a night to have fans back in the arena, tonight was the night we saw we had five finishes on the main card and it kind of it. Those moments wouldn't have been as special without the crowd. Uh, whether they were good moments or, or bad moments, we had both. But those moments wouldn't have been as special without those fans. So I'm thrilled that we have fans back. I think this is a good move right now. Uh, we'll see how the COVID numbers kind of... Um, what the COVID numbers are looking like after this and we'll be able to know if everyone was safe or not. If the COVID numbers are good, then you know, this was a big success. And right now I think just having pay per views being the only things with fans is is a good move right now by the UFC. So we'll see how that plays out. And hopefully uh the COVID cases as a result of this aren't out of control. But we're gonna have to wait and see before we get any of those numbers. So I just wanted to address that because this, this, I mean, I, my adrenaline was pumping the whole time and this card felt amazing. And I think most people agree with me on that. It, it felt special and it felt like a UFC pay-per-view and I'm glad to have that feeling back. So just wanted to get that out of the way as I feel like that's an important overarching thing to talk about. Now let's move into the main event of Kamaro Usman versus Jorge Masvidal. This before this fight. Okay. I want to set this up here before this fight we saw, we saw Kamaru has been growing as a fighter. You know, early in his career, he was just a wrestler who could dominate you wrestling. And then the Colby Covington fight, you know, he showed a really good jab and that whole fight took place on the feet and he eventually finished it in the fifth round. Then we had the Gilbert Burns fight, or we had the second Jorge fight. And that was, you know, more clinch work and things like that. But he had a broken nose coming into that fight. And then We had the Gilbert Burns fight where he showed some very, very good striking. The jab looked excellent, and he had a nice pull counter in there. So the striking really improved going into the Gilbert Burns fight. So now we're leading into this Jorge Masvidal fight, and the question is how much has his striking really improved? He's going in there with a top-tier striker. Many people think Masvidal is one of the best strikers in the UFC and I'd say that's a fair sentiment and we saw that in this fight as well those kicks to the leg the kicks to the body you know the burst the burst punches that Masvidal throws he's a tremendous striker regardless of what happened last night and Uzan went out there and won this fight on the feet I mean he, he did get one takedown in the first round but when this fight was on the feet he was landing the more powerful, more damaging shots. It looked like Jorge's plan was to chip away at the legs and the body. So maybe that has something to do with why Usman was landing more of the more damaging punches to the head. I mean, he he landed a couple of really good jabs, some straight rights. And obviously, that knockout was ridiculous. Masvidal has a great chin. And Usman landed a straight right from a... The reason this punch was so powerful here was is the angle here. He lands this at a at a nice angle with and he gets fully extended and he punches it he punches through Masvidal's face. You know, this isn't like uh you know, he's not just throwing this out here. He threw that straight, fast, hard, with bad intent. And he and he landed and that's gonna put that That'll put out anyone. That shot might put out a horse. Who knows? But that shot will put out anyone. And this just goes to show, once again, how vast and how fast Kamal Uzman is still improving. I mean, from the, if you go back and look at the Colby Covington fight, that was 100% stand-up. Then you go and look at this fight. I mean, he looks like a different fighter on the feet. And a lot of that, there's there's two people to give this credit to. First, obviously, Kamaru Usman. I mean, when, when you're improving, you're a, a large portion of the credit because, you know, he works hard, and he saw that striking was a weakness in his game. He heard the critiques, and he went out there and fixed that hole better than maybe any wrestler in MMA ever has. I mean, we've always had wrestlers with good takedowns, but the the development that we've seen in the striking department is probably the best from where he started to where he is now. The improvements is probably the most improvements we've seen by a fighter. Second person you have to give credit to for that is Trevor Whitman. Trevor Whitman is a tremendous coach. I mean, it feels like this was a match made in heaven here for Kamara and Trevor Whitman because Trevor Whitman's an expert striking coach bringing in a dominant wrestler, someone with great cardio, teach them great striking. And I mean, that's exactly what he did. And it has paid off with knockouts over Gilbert Burns, Colby Covington, and Jorge Masvidal. Those are three fighters with good chins. You know, Masvidal was only knocked out one other time in his career. And he that fight was in a ring. That wasn't in a cage. It wasn't in an octagon. That fight took place in a ring. So that's how long ago that was. So, Masvidal's been a tough chin to crack, and Usman cracked it, okay? Simple as that. And just just uh, some more praise for Trevor Whitman before we talk about Usman some more. Whitman is possibly the best coach in MMA right now. In terms of developing fighters' skill sets and uh, coming with a game plan, Trevor Whitman is top tier. If you look at what Gaethje did to Tony Ferguson, no one's ever beat Tony like that. I mean, Charles Oliveira... Olivera was very dominant in his Tony fight, but he did it in a different manner. Gaethje outworked Tony on the feet, landing big shots. If you look at the Rose versus Whaley fight that I'm going to talk about in a little bit, that's another example of Trevor Whitman, his pure skill as a coach coming in to play there. So Trevor Whitman's a top tier coach in MMA. And I mean, he may be the best. And I don't want to, you know, it's hard to say who the best coach is. Because I feel like, you know, guys like Trevor Whitman and, you know, Farasa Hobby, they all have their certain style of fighter. You know, coaching isn't so much about, um, it's about how well you can connect with a fighter and help a fighter specifically. So, I'm, I think that coaching is, you know, one one coach, it's hard to be the best coach for everybody. But the fighters that he ha- is working with are top-notch fighters and they're constantly improving so big respects to trevor whitman as he's one of the best coaches in the game right now regardless back to kamaru another thing that i want to address here because i was still very impressed with this is he didn't fall in love with his hands okay that's something that has hurt many people in the past most notably ronda rousey If you look at Ronda, she was a world-class grappler, and she fell in love with her hands, and she lost some fights because of that. And I know there's some other problems with Rhonda striking, but she fell in love with the hands, and she paid for it. Usman has, has yet to fall in love with his hands. He is far better on the feet, and he's more comfortable on the feet, but he still got that takedown in the first round the willingness to go for the takedown and advance position and land ground and pound on the ground. And he didn't just say, oh, I'm comfortable with this whole fight being on the feet because Usman may be better than fighters on the feet, but he's better than everybody on the ground and in that weight class, more than likely. I mean, it's tough to say, you know, you have Maya, who is a BJJ guy. You have Covington, who's also a great wrestler. You have Chiesa, who's very good on the ground. Burns, very good on the ground. But I don't think there's going to be a fight where Usman has a disadvantage on the ground. So for him not to just throw all the wrestling out and fall in love with the improvements he's made on the feet is a great sign. And if he can continue mixing that wrestling and those hands, he's going to be a problem as long as he keeps mixing those things. And for Usman's next fight, I mean, as long as he keeps improving, it's going to be tough to seeing anyone at 170 beat him. And that raises the question, what's next? So Dana seemed pretty keen on Colby Covington. I don't know if that. Is, I don't know why he seems so keen on that. Because if Dana has been saying Colby Covington's next, why has why wasn't that fight made after the Gilbert Burns fight? You know, they last fought in 2019. He beats Woodley. Why are we, why is it now that it's all of a sudden that Colby is the next guy for sure? I don't know why. We're going to have to wait and see, but. I don't think that unless if this fight gets made in the next two weeks, it's going to be Colby Covington getting that title shot. But that's not necessarily the case here because we're going to see Leon Edwards versus Nate Diaz. And one of those guys could swoop in and steal this fight. We're going to see Steven Wonderboy Thompson versus Gilbert Burns. And if Wonderboy wins, he can come in and he can steal that title shot. So if this fight gets booked, the sooner this fight gets booked, the more likely that we see Usman versus Covington. The later we wait, the later we wait, the more likely it's the more likely it's Leon, the more likely it's Nate Diaz, the more likely it's someone like or, or more likely it's Wonder Boy. I don't think we see the Gilbert Burns rematch right away because he finished that fight pretty convincingly. So I don't think that'd be. I think Gilbert needs another win, other than Wonder Boy, to earn that title shot, but. If he can get two, maybe he'll be back in there. But that's gonna be later than the next touch of shot, so we'll cross that road when we get there. But like I said, Wonder Boy is fighting Gilbert Burns. I guess that fight isn't until July, so that is that's probably not the fight that'll that's probably not the fight to look at for that. But um, Diaz and Leon Edwards is coming up soon. Uh, let me check the data on that just to be sure. But it's hard to say that Leon Edwards doesn't deserve a title shot if he beats Nate Diaz. I mean, Mouse Vidal got a title shot after beating Nate Diaz. And Leon Edwards has been in on a long, long run here. So it'd be hard to give Leon Edwards, not give Leon Edwards that shot. That is booked for May 15th. May 15th, we have Leon Edwards versus Nate Diaz. So if this fight's booked before May 15th, it's going to Covington. If it's booked after May 15th, it's probably going to go to the winner of Leon Edwards versus Nate Diaz. And it's tough to say Nate Diaz doesn't deserve a title shot if he beats Leon Edwards. Leon Edwards, many people think right now, is the best outside of Usman. I think if we had to have a conversation of who is the best outside of Usman, it would be in between Colby and Leon. But, you know, Colby already got that fight once as a title opportunity I know Leon has fought Usman in the past but that wasn't that was a long time ago when when they were both coming up so um that almost I get technically counts but it doesn't really like count for these two neither of them were at their peaks so you know it's tough to say that the winner of Leon Edwards and Nate Diaz doesn't deserve a title shot over over someone like Colby so and I know people don't want to see Nate Diaz in a title fight but like I said, being beating Leon Edwards, right now, right now Nate Diaz's stock is really low in terms of fans, um, the hardcore fans. He didn't look great against Masvidal, but like I said, beating Leon Edwards will propel him and he'll have the height that he did after the Pettis fight. So it's all about whether he can go out there and pull off that upset. If he does, title, if he wants it. So it's going to be interesting. There's a lot of moving pieces here. There's a lot of moving pieces, you know. We're going to talk about Nick Diaz later. He's a big moving piece in this division. Who knows where the UFC wants to go with Nick Diaz. We also have Masvidal. And Masvidal is going to be in a big fight. Is that big fight Colby? Is that big fight, say, Nate Diaz? If he loses, Masvidal's options aren't closed here either. So it would almost be smarter for the UFC to wait and see who wins that May 15th fight. Because if... For example, if Leon beats Nate, you could. There's many roads you could go here. You could have a card that this would be an amazing card later in the year. Uh, Leon beats Nate. You do Usman versus Leon for the in the main event, and then you have Colby versus Masvidal in the in a five-round co-main, and you know you could do Nick versus someone on that card, but mainly the co-main in Maine. main that would be electric. Usman, Edwards, Covington, Masvidal. Those are, you know, those would be some great fights back to back. That'd be electric. So I think, like I said, I said this once, but I'm gonna re- reiterate it before we move on here. If this is booked before May fifteenth, it goes to Covington. After May fifteenth, it goes to the winner of Diaz or uh, it goes to, be, to goes to the winner of Edwards and Diaz. So moving on, Rose Nami Yunus versus Wei Li Zhang. What can I say? What can I say other than head kick KO? Who doesn't love a good head kick KO? I know I love myself a good head kick KO, but hey, that's just me. And I'm a, I'm a big Wei Li fan. I'm not going to hide that, but I love Wei Li, but I also love a good a good foot smacking off a chin. So um, I said hey, before this fight last week on last week's episode, I said if you comment your Venmo on the YouTube and we see a head kick KO, I'll Venmo you have $15. However... No one commented their Venmo on the YouTube, so they lost out on $15, so whatever. Uh, Anyways, this was, there was something about this that just made this feel special. I don't know if it was just the, the, the energy in the crowd, or I don't know what it was, but when Rose finished this fight, it just felt special and perfectly set up. This was hidden, I mean, snuck in there smacked Wei Li off the jaw with her foot and it was you know after then it was good night and Wei Li was kind of first off Wei Li was looking good before this she was doing a really good job hitting those inside low kicks she wasn't able to get inside yet Rose was doing a good job of managing range but Wei Li still looked good up until this point but there's not much you can do when someone like Rose is sneaking in a head kick that sneaky with that much power behind it Is going to put your lights out because she didn't see it coming at all. And those are the shots that hurt you with that had pinpoint placement. I mean, there's two two ways you can pinpoint a head kick kind of. The first and more ideal way is shin off jaw and then the back of the foot coming around and wrapping around the back of the head. That's the more ideal way. But you also have the foot, top of the foot coming here off the jaw. So that's also another very pinpoint placement and that's what we saw Rose do so pinpoint placement without seeing it coming it's gonna put you down Wei Li was not happy with the stoppage but you know I think that's a situation of she just got knocked out and you know she's a warrior she doesn't she you know if if Wei Li is conscious I don't think she wants a fight stopped so I think if she goes back and watches this she's not going to be as upset but this is the age-old case of hey we interviewed a fighter after she was knocked out. So, you know, I don't take what a fighter says 100% after. The, if, if if a fighter says something sincere after they've been knocked out, then, you know, it's cool. But if a fighter says something silly and Joe Rogan interviews them just after they got knocked out, I kind of, you know, don't hold it against them. For example, Masvidal, after he got knocked out, you know, he said respect to Camaro and he told his kids he was fine. Stand so up move by Masvidal. Wei Li after she got knocked out, um, seemed a little upset. And I don't hold that against Wei Li because, you know, anytime you go through damage like that, putting a microphone in the face right away probably isn't the best move. But, you know, sometimes it works out with Jorge, and it worked out well after Connor lost. And there's other instances. Sometimes it doesn't work out well. Wei Lee, Overeem. You know, it happens. And we'll just have to, we'll just have to, you know, I guess we kind of have to play it by ear, but you know, willy, it happens. So, what is next for Rose Nami Eunice? This is a tough one to match make because there is a lot of talented fighters in the female 115 pound weight class, but there is no clear cut number one contender. I mean, looking at the rankings here, we have. Wei Li is going to be number one on Tuesday with Joanna at two. And then we have Yao Nan taking on Carla Esparza and the dark horse Mackenzie Dern. That's the top five. And no one really, to me, jumps out and says, you know, we have to make this fight. It could go a lot of ways. And Yao Nan and Carla Esparza are going to have an opportunity here. They're fighting each other. I don't know the date of that fight off the top of my head i will look for it real quick but you know if the winner of that fight can go out there and put on a you know very good performance they can make a strong case that they deserve a title shot um it all depends on the performance you know if this is a one-sided kind of domination or a finish then yes they could squeak into that title shot Let's see here. Um, five twenty-two. So that fight is—you just watch me do dates in my head. Five twenty-two. That's on the Rob Font versus Cody Garbrandt card. There it is. I don't know why I passed it when I was looking. Okay, that's besides the point. They're fighting in, on May twenty-second. So May twenty-second, we'll have some more answers. If this is—if someone wins this fight, you know with a nice submission, or a knockout, or a very dominant performance, I think they would do enough to earn a title shot, but if this is a, you know, not a great fight, the winner doesn't necessarily get it. If someone can go out there and put a stamp on this, they get it. If we don't see that stamp, we don't get it, and it's going to be a big question, and I think it's a, it's a toss-up if that happens, because the winner of that would still be in the conversation, but you also have to look does do we do Joanna you know she almost won the belt back in about a year ago now she almost won that fight it was fight of the year do you look at Wei Lee and say well Wei Lee had a very good run as champion at 115 do we give her the immediate rematch and I think this is gonna probably be one of the situations where the UFC says name doesn't matter really um we've seen that as of late in the ufc unfortunately is they're looking to put the championship on a date and the contender doesn't really matter and unfortunately that has seemed more um more prominent in the female divisions andrage earned it but they kind of just threw amanda in there you know with megan without really earning it necessarily they've done it in the past so they might just figure out, hey, we want we want to see Rose back whatever day. And, you know, whoever is willing to step in and fight that day, they'll have a list and they'll run through that list. And, you know, the person on the top gets the first opportunity and they'll work their way down. So it's going to be interesting to th- see. I think this is going to be a close one. And there's it's going to be a toss up. So we'll have to wait and see, I guess. And for Wei Li, you know, maybe she gets a title shot next. Maybe you know, if if Yao Jianan or Carlos Barza can go out there and put a stamp on this one, maybe they do Joanna versus Wei Li two, which would be a great fight for another opportunity at the belt. Maybe they look at giving Mackenzie Dern a top five opponent. You know, you never know. But uh, we'll stop speculating on that because we went kind of down a wormhole there. But that's all right. And then the f- third fight down, we had Jessica Andraj versus Valentina Shevchenko, and my God, did Valentina look amazing coming into this fight? The place where people thought Andrade could win would be is if Andrade could get hit, get get inside, get in the clinch, get takedowns, get some top, get some time on top, win some rounds on top. Uh, Have some nice ground and pound. What I just described as people thought what Andrade needed to do to win, what I just described is exactly what Valentina went out there and did. She didn't have to do that. She didn't have to do... I feel like this was a statement win because Valentina didn't need that. She didn't need to go out and do that to win. She could have easily stayed on the feet and picked Jessica Andrade apart from a distance because she was doing that when it was on the feet at distance. Picking her apart. She could have done that, but she didn't. She chose to take the path that people thought would be her weakness and dominate in that aspect. And that begs the question of who can beat Valentina Shevchenko? Oh, side note, crucifix position. Hard to get to, as we know. But when you get there, good lord. Good lord, that'll put someone's lights No, not put the lights out, but it makes for a bad night if you get put in a crucifix. And, uh, the end of the fight is usually coming. So good, good on Valentina for getting in that dominant position. And it was impressive. So what's next for Valentina? It's, it's tough to say. Cause right now I feel like the only competitive fight is Amanda Nunez. It's, and you could make the case that another competitive fight could be a 115 pounder moving up, but she's already beat Joanna Wei Li would be a challenge, but, you know, she just lost. I think she needs to stay at 115 for now. You have Rose. Rose and Valentina are very friendly with each other. I don't know if they would fight each other. I don't know if that's something Rose wants to do. And Rose would be very undersized in that fight. You know, Mackenzie Dern, if she can iron out her striking a little more, maybe she moves up to 125. And, you know, maybe she has a chance to pull off a submission. But, you know, I'm not overly sold on any of these girls other than Amanda Nunes beating Shevchenko. If you look at what we've got here, we've got Andraj, Caitlin Chikagan, both already lost. Jennifer Maya is lost. And that leaves you Lauren Murphy, Cynthia Calvillo, Joanne Calderwood, Viviana Juno. Jessica I, Roxanne Mataferi, Alexa Grasso. I just don't see any of these women beating Valentina, you know? I think if Arjuno can get a win, I'm pretty sure she's taking on Chukagin here soon. Uh, Lauren Murphy. Is she fighting Calderwood? I think that's the fight they made. Let me double check on that. So... You know, but you know, winner the winner of you know Lauren Murphy. I don't think Lauren Murphy is really has what it takes to go out there and beat uh, beat Valentina. I don't think Joanne Calderwood has what it takes to go out there and beat Valentina. She looked that good, you know. Yeah, we have Joanne Calderwood versus Lauren Murphy in June on June twelfth. So. I don't see any of those. I think the only challenge is Nunez. And I think Nunez is, I think those are the only two girls that can really test and challenge each other is Nunez and Shevchenko. And Dana didn't seem too keen on making that matchup. So we might see it. He said he'd make the matchup if both uh, Amanda and Valentina came to, came to him and said they wanted the fight. He said he'd make the fight, but he didn't seem like something that he would want to pursue maybe we see it maybe we don't but it doesn't look like we're gonna see it right now I guess we're just gonna have to uh wait this one out and it looks like the next shot is gonna go to the winner of Lauren Murphy versus Joanne Calderwood so I guess that's just the way it is and then next fight on the card was Uriah Hall versus Chris Weidman I mean there there isn't much to say here I mean You know, we went out there. Chris Weidman threw a leg kick. Uriah Hall textbook check, you know, leg snaps, gruesome injury. It's, um, there isn't much to say here. You know, all we can do is wish Chris Weidman a speedy recovery. I'm not going to sit here and speculate. A lot of people were speculating on whether Weidman would be able to return from this. But, you know, we're going to have to wait and see. He's having surgery today. Um, the only update was that he was having surgery. So we're going to wishing the best to Chris Weidman. And that's all we can do. And, you know, I'm not going to talk about all the, a lot of people were talking about, oh, Weidman. And, you know, he did this to Silva. And Uriah's last fight was against Silva. And all making all these connections. It's not really worth it. And the moral of the story, Chris Weidman, you know, got a got a leg kick checked and broke his leg in a vicious manner so wishing a speedy recovery to recovery to Chris Chris Reidman hopefully Uriah Hall can get in there again soon I think everyone wants to see Uriah Hall fight what's next for Uriah Hall I mean a lot of these guys at 185 are booked he kind of got a raw end of the deal here I mean they're not going to give him a shot against someone, you know, they gave him 11, Chris Weidman, when he was nine, you know, Jack Manson and Edmund Shabazi in our fight and they're seven and 10. Till's got a broken collarbone. They're probably not going to let him move up in the rankings to fight someone as high as Brunson or Costa. Vittori got a title shot. Cannonier is still recovering from an injury and they wouldn't give him number four anyways. We don't know. I'd love Uriah Hall versus Kevin Holland. My God, that'd be a fun fight. But we still haven't gotten the answer as to what Kevin Holland's doing. It looks like he's taking time off to work on his wrestling. We don't know if he's moving down to 170 or not. So that fight looks like Kevin Holland is going to be on the shelf for a while. Um, Weidman's at 11. He's going to be shelved for a while. Omari Akhmedov, Brad Tavares, and Sean Strickland. Maybe one of those guys, Kelvin Gastelum, is going to be on the shelf for a while. You know, Hall's in a tough spot here. He, You know, he might have to fight an unranked guy or, you know, someone 13 through 15. But unfortunately for Uriah Hall, it looks like he's getting a... looks like he's getting the tough end of the... Or it looks like he's getting the raw end of the deal here. And it's not his fault, but, you know, sometimes those things happen. So, I mean, there isn't much else to say here. Anthony Smith versus Jimmy Crute. This was top prospect versus someone a lot of people are calling a gatekeeper, but Anthony Smith looked very good, and I don't think it's fair to call him a gatekeeper. Jab was looking great. I'll be honest, I had troubles getting this. We had some internet problems during this fight. I saw most of it, but I did have some problems watching this fight, so I, you know, was in and out of there. But um, from what I saw, Smith was looking really good. Crute didn't... Crute was looking good as well. Both these guys were looking good. It was looking like it was going to be a fun fight. Then Anthony Smith lands a textbook perfect leg kick. And when those things happen, you know, there's going to be damage. And Crute... Crute is a very tough guy, and he wanted to continue. And at the end of the first round, he got those takedowns. He got some top control. He was doing what he needed to do to stay in that fight. He almost made it out there for the second round... Then last second, he had a knee buckle and, you know, doctor waves it off. Is it a good call to wave it off? I don't know. I don't know because it, it this can be one of two things. It can be nerve damage or it can be ligament damage. If it's nerve damage, he can keep fighting, you know, because there isn't any sustained damage here. The leg is just numb. If it's ligament damage, then things only get worse. You can't tell if it's a nerve or a ligament while you're in there. I don't think so. Better to be safe than sorry. Jimmy Crute's a young guy with a long career ahead of him. So for the longevity of his career, this was probably the right move. Um, This doesn't set him back too far as a lot of people, uh, me included, are still high on Jimmy Crute's stock. I think he's still a great prospect with just, uh, just a hiccup here that he couldn't do much about. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll you know, what's next for Crute? It all depends. Is that is that ligament is that uh, ligament damage or is that was it a nerve? You know, two very different things, and we don't know yet. So we don't know how long the return is gonna take. What's next for Anthony Smith? Anthony Smith. Uh, we have we have Pearl versus Reyes coming up next week. Anthony Smith versus a lot of these guys sounds really fun. Santos versus Smith would be fun, I think. Megamed Enkelev versus Anthony Smith would be fun. I think that's the direction that I'd want to see this go. Anthony Smith versus Megamed Enkelev. Ankelev's looking like a very good prospect. If Anthony Smith can go out there and get another win. Um Megamed is can uh, he's he's borderline prospect, borderline contender. He's number seven. He's looked good. A lot of people call him a prospect. He's done a lot to prove himself as a fighter. So, what's next? I'd like to see Anklev. Give Anklev an opportunity. Give Anthony Smith an opportunity to take out a highly respected guy. Maybe Tiago Santos. That'd be a fun fight as well. Um, both those fights sound good to me. And I think that's uh, probably around the direction they go in. Unless he wants to get in there super early again, they could throw him... Jamal Hill would be a dark horse here. If Jamal Hill can go out and put a dark, uh, put a stamp on Paul Craig, then he could maybe get a shot against someone uh, in the top of those rankings. We'll just have to wait and see how that fight plays out this weekend. That is, that's all we have for UFC 261. Well, that's not, that's all we have from the fights at UFC 261. Now we're going to move into some other news. First off, Israel Adesanya. Versus Marvin Vittori was booked for June 12th at UFC 263. And this what it looked uh, like a simple process. It looked like Izzy said, hey, I want to return June 12th. Dana said, all right, we'll get you a fight. First name on the list, Robert Whitaker. They call Rob up, and they say, hey, Rob, June 12th, you and Izzy. Rob says no too early of a turnaround. Uh, rightfully so. He was just in a five-round main event, and he's got to go home he has to quarantine for two weeks when he gets home and then training coming back you know that's a tough ask for june and you can't book the fight in july because you have connor in july and connor kind of holds up pay-per-views because you can't put another title fight on a connor pay-per-view if connor doesn't have a title you know just how it goes and then august pushing it two months back to august you know I don't know if Izzy wanted to wait that long, so that's probably July, August is probably the earliest for Robert Whitaker to return, and I mean, the UFC didn't want to wait that long, maybe Izzy didn't want to wait that long, so they moved to the next guy in line, and the next guy in line was uh, Marvin Vittori, so Rob still deserves this title shot, he does, and I think, you know, nobody's going to disagree with that, and I think that has to be the next fight after this. After this, Vittori versus Israel, regardless of what happens, even if Vittori wins, we need to see Rob versus Rob get a title shot, beating Till, Cannoneer, Gastelum, earns you a title shot. Losing your title and then beating Till and Cannonier get should get you a title shot. Doing that and then tacking on Kelvin Gastelum too, Rob far and away deserves a title shot and there's nothing more to say than that um hopefully they don't try and screw him because maybe they do till versus brunson or till versus they want till to get that title shot bad is he wants to get that title shot bad you know hopefully they don't screw rob but rob my advice and who am i to give robert Whitaker advice but don't take another fight because If Rob takes another fight, we could be in the same situation where, oh, Rob isn't ready to return. He can go out there and put on another masterclass performance, but if he's not ready the date they want him to be ready, then he's not going to get that fight, and that was proven in this situation. So, Rob, don't take another fight. Wait for that title shot. You deserve it. You earned it. You know, not much more to say than that. Then, possibly the biggest news, most surprising news... Nick Diaz was at UFC 261 in Jacksonville. A reporter asked, hey, we saw Nick was here. Dana said, yeah, he wants to fight. The reporter said, are you going to get him a fight? Dana said, sure. You know, they said, when does he want to fight? Who does he want to fight? And Dana said, I don't know. I got to go talk to him. He said he was going to talk to him right afterwards. So that's a big, big return would be for having Nick Diaz back in the UFC. And it's a tough situation. Who do you book? Who do you book Nick Diaz against? Because if you look at Nick Diaz, he's so incredibly talented. He hasn't fought in forever though. Um his last fight was against Anderson Silva, I believe. And that fight was overturned to a no contest anyways. Yeah, he's coming off. Uh, he fought Anderson Silva in 2015. And then he fought George St. Pierre and Carlos Condit in 2013 and 2012. Lost both those fights. Before that, he's got wins over BJ Penn, Paul Daly. So the question is, who? who is the fight? Do we you know, give him a warm-up fight against a Cowboy Cerrone, a Robbie Lawler, someone of that nature? Or do we throw do we throw him to the wolves and give him you know Masvidal? Do we throw him to the wolves? Give him Luke. A? There's fun fights. Nick Diaz versus Luke A, Masvidal would be some fun fights there. Um, I don't think it's interesting to do we see Jorge versus Nick Diaz? I don't know. Because Nick always said the counter fight. He said the counter fight was always Nate's fight. When people were talking about, oh, we can see Nick come back and fight Connor. He always said that's Nate's fight. It, does he feel the same way with the Jorge? Does he? Does he feel like, hey, that's that's Nate's fight? You know, I'm not going to take that from Nate. That's Nate's. You know, that's a possibility. And do you know there's there's so many fun fights for. Nick Diaz and what weight class? Is it one seventy? Is it one seventy is my guess because that's it's weird to see Nate and Nick in the same weight class, but one seventy, I mean he was there last night, so you know that was a one seventy main event. So do we see Colby Covington versus Nick Diaz? That'd be a cardio master class. But also, at the same time, how much is Nick Diaz weighing? Because I saw a picture of Nick Diaz. Maybe you've seen the picture of Nick Diaz. He looks. He's not looking big, but he's looking lean. Lean, lean, lean. And when I mean lean, like distinct abs, you know, very little body fat. Can he make 155? Because if Nick Diaz can make 155, oh, my God. If Nick Diaz can make 155, there's a whole boatload of fights that I want to see Nick Diaz in just looking at these rankings now Paul Felder versus Nick Diaz god that'd be fun Dan Hooker versus Nick Diaz god that'd be fun RDA versus Nick Diaz god that'd be fun Conor McGregor uh like I said probably not ever going to see that because like like Nick said that's Nate's fight Nick Diaz versus Tony Ferguson good lord that's a fun fight Nick Diaz versus Poirier Nick Diaz versus Gaethje those are all fun fights. You know, there's so many options at 155 for Nick if he wants to go to 155. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know. We There's so many question marks here that I feel silly sitting here and talking about what are we going to see with Nick Diaz because we don't know. We don't know if it's 155, if it's 170, if it's 185. I doubt it's 185. Uh, Nick Diaz didn't have the best frame when he was at 185. I think we need to go we need to see 170 is most likely but uh, I think he could make 155 and if he makes 155 that shows he's committed to fighting in the UFC. Nick is always a hard worker but make taking the steps to make 155 would be tremendous and then we wouldn't have Nick and Nate in the same weight class we wouldn't have them you know clashing for fights and There's so many fun fights at 150. You could throw a dart, you could throw two darts, two two darts at 155, and you're getting a great fight. I mean, good lord, there's so many fun fighters. Um, We're just gonna have to wait and see, I guess. You know, like I said, I feel silly doing this, but I look, I'm looking at the rankings. I have the rankings right here on my computer, and all I'm seeing is fun fights for Nick Diaz. But. Let's, let, let me end by saying this. I think Nick Diaz needs to, before we get too excited, I got a little ahead of myself there. Just naming off fun fights because, good Lord, there's a lot of them. Give him Robbie Lawler. Give him Cowboy Cerrone. Maybe, nah, not Diego Sanchez. Um, maybe Matt Brown. Maybe Carlos Condit. Give him someone who's a little bit older and not at the top of their game right now and let him prove himself, you know, it feels weird saying let Nick Diaz prove himself, but it's I it I feel like it'd be irresponsible to throw him in there with a high high top level guy right away after five years, because if he's at the same level, it'll be a competitive fight. If he's not at the same level, it's it's not going to be a pretty thing to watch. So, first off, let's make sure that Nick is still Nick, and these last five years haven't taken a toll on him. In terms of skill and speed and things like that, I'm sure he'll be in great shape. Let's make sure all those things are in place, and then, uh, you know, then then open up the board to these fun fights. So, and I hope we see Nick Diaz soon. Hell, I hope I hope they throw Nick Diaz on the same card as Nate, and I hope they put him the third fight down and give him a five round fight too. Just make it crazy. Make the Nick Diaz return crazy. Hell, put him. Put him as the co main on on the Connor card and give him a five round fight. That'd be electric. The return of Nick Diaz and then the Poirier and Connor trilogy. There's so many fun things you can do with Nick and it, it makes me it makes me excited just sitting here thinking about it. Some news that's not as fun as a Nick Diaz return is John Jones. I never like talking about John Jones news because it's never good news. What's next for John Jones? We talk about it. Uh, heavyweight title shot Dana said John Jones wanted 30 million John said hey I never said I wanted 30 million then a reporter says hey Dana John says that was a lie Dana said whatever so it looks like according to the UFC John is asking for too much money John declines asking for that much money I'm not gonna get into all the fine point details here because uh, you know you'll go crazy trying to get a story straight between Dana White and John Jones Neither of those two are the most trustworthy person you've ever ran into. Hell, they might both be lying. Who knows? Who knows? Oh, excuse me. But John Jones, the one thing we do know for sure is he's probably not going to be fighting for the UFC heavyweight title. Love it or hate it, we're probably going to see Derek Lewis versus Francis Ngannou, and we're going to have to live with it. And then maybe after that, we'll see John. It doesn't look like the UFC is over-eager to pay John the amount of money he wants to be paid. And it doesn't look like John is over-eager to lower his price tag. And when those two things are present at the same time, the chance of a John Jones fight anytime soon is not great. We may never see John Jones fight in the UFC again. Unless one of these sides uh, changes their mind. So, I mean, there isn't much else to say here. Another note about John Jones. Here's my prediction. Tuesday... UFC rankings come out. Come on, Usman is going to be the number one pound-for-pound fighter. And then John is going to go on a Twitter rant. That's just my prediction. That's my prediction. Who knows if it'll happen? I think it'll happen. Uh, John Jones loves his number one pound-for-pound spot. And it looks like Usman earned it last night. So let's wait and see. But <laughs> might be some fireworks there. Who knows? Um, another piece of news here, Tyrone Woodley... Was removed from the UFC rankings, so it's looking like uh, the UFC did not elect to re-sign Tyron Woodley, and he is no longer in the UFC. It was a great run. I was never the biggest Tyron Woodley fan, but over the last couple months, he has grown on me a lot. I mean, he went out there against Luke and he went he went down with the shield, you know, throwing from the hip, giving it everything he had, and then he gets into these little run-ins with Jake Paul, and he's been sunning Jake Paul for the last couple weeks. So, maybe that's a fight we see, Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley. I hope we see it. I hope we see it because, God, Tyron Woodley melts that boy. Tyron Woodley would melt Jake Paul with one overhand right and poof, never have to hear Jake Paul's name again. So, that'd be fun. But, until then, we're going to have some Jake Paul's shenanigans. Last week, I believe it was last week, I said I wasn't going to talk about Jake Paul. But, I have to talk about this because DC absolutely sunned Jake Paul. Jake Paul was in the crowd. He starts pointing at DC. DC says, "Hey, Jake Paul better stop pointing at me cuz I don't play those games. I'll go over there I'll go over there and smack him right now." Then the crowd starts chanting "F Jake Paul." I'm not gonna swear cuz YouTube doesn't like that, but you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? And so, then after that, in between the ending of the prelims and the beginning of the pay-per-view. DC gets out of his commentary seat, goes over there and gets in Jake Paul's face, puts his finger in his face, starts talking to Jake Paul. Jake Paul was there with his two bodyguards, so he wasn't too scared. Well, I bet he was a little scared, but he's got his bodyguards with him. Of course, Jake Paul, after all this tough talk, would have to pull up with bodyguards because, you know, there's some rough dudes running around. You know, I wouldn't want to run into some of these guys after talking the shit I talked, you know, in between, in between, um, Nick Diaz and DC and Colby Covington, those guys are all in the building. You know, I guess him and Masvidal are kind of friendly with each other, but you know, I don't know. Gaethje was there. I don't know which one of these guys would have been willing to go and give, uh, Give Jake Paul a, a nice little smack on the mouth, but I bet there would have been enough. Dude, I bet I bet there was a handful of dudes there willing to give Jake Paul a smack. So he pulled up with his bodyguards. DC went up, talked to him. I don't know what he said. We haven't seen that video footage. There was a very there was a big close up to Jake Paul in DC, um, but you couldn't hear what they were saying. The only things I heard were DC saying, "Keep my name out your mouth," then Jake Paul saying, um that he talked about, that DC talked about him first, so, I mean, we don't not that's all I heard, and there wasn't, the crowd noise was so loud, when DC's in Jake Paul's face, the crowd's going wild, so, there's not too much information as to what exactly was said, but, you know, to get out of your commentary seat, go confront Jake Paul for being a, being an idiot, and then going back and continuing the job you're getting paid millions to do, that's a big win for DC. DC sun that boy. Period. I don't like how I said period at the period at the end there. Didn't mean didn't mean for it to sound like that. Oh, so Jake Paul did get sunned by DC. End of that story. Now, we're at fifty-one minutes, so we have enough time left here to talk about next week's fight card. Which is looking like a good one for a fight night card. Fight night cards can be hit or miss sometimes, but it's looking like this one is good from the outside. This one's looking like a hit, looking like a hit. We have Dominic Reyes versus Yuri Prohaska in the main event. This is Dominic Reyes who almost beat John Jones. This is Yuri Prohaska top up and coming, uh, former prospect, now contender, Yuri Prohaska. Both guys knockout power, both guys, great strikers. It's going to be a fun one. Yuri Prohaska, world-class kickboxer. Dominic Reyes, athlete. Dominic Reyes is an athlete. Don't care if you're a world-class kickboxer. So, Dominic Reyes versus Yuri Prohaska. This is a toss-up for me because both these guys are so talented. And we have, on one hand, Dominic Reyes. Dominic Reyes is... A Dominic Reyes is an interesting it's a tough to predict this fight because we have the fight where he he wins two rounds against John Jones make the case he wins three you have the other fight where he gets gets beat up by Jan Blahovic. which Dominic are we going to see if we see the down we saw against John Jones he goes and wins this fight if we see the down we saw against Blahovic, it's going to be a long night for him Sitting here now, which which one of those guys do we see? I don't know. I don't know. It's pretty tough to know here, but and uh, what I can tell you for sure is I'm excited to see which one we get. Because if we get the John Jones Dominic Reyes, we've got another we've got another fun guy running around at the 205 pound weight class. Then in the featherweight co-main event, we have the legend Cub Swanson versus Giga Chikatse. Giga, Giga 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 Ooh! Took me eight tries to say that. Giga holds a special place in my heart because he was the first fighter to get to get a head kick KO after I started the Head Kick KO podcast. So Giga's got a special place in my heart. But who doesn't love Cub Swanson? I can tell you one thing: this is gonna be a banger, ladies and gentlemen. Giga is a top-level kickboxer. Great kicks. Cub Swanson is a veteran of the fight game. And he's gonna bring the fight to Giga. And if Giga can win this one, we have another, another great fighter in this 145 pound division. Even if Cub wins, he's proven he's not going anywhere. So lots of lots of fun fights. Light heavyweight. Also on this card, Ian Kutelaba versus Dustin Jacoby. Ian Kutelaba is must watch television. Going up against Dustin Jacoby. All I know is it's gonna be a fun one. Sean Strickland going up against Jokolf. Once again, Sean Strickland's a fun fighter to watch. Kind of a dirtbag. Um I don't know why I said that, but he's a fun fighter to watch. So and Sean Strickland has been making moves in this division. And Jutkov hadn't fought in a long time. So, I'm excited to see him back because he has been, you know, on the sidelines for a minute, but he's a really good fighter. So, fun fight there. Then we have Mirab versus Cody Stamen, who is Cody Stamen is a I'm quite sure that he went to Grand Valley. So, my pick on this one, Cody Stamen, if you don't know, I go to Grand Valley and I'm from Michigan. Cody Stamen also from Michigan went to Grand Valley. So got to got to pull for got to pull for Cody in this one. Sorry, Murab. Do love Murab, but uh you know, got got them ties. The prelims aren't looking as great as the main card. To be honest, not the most exciting prelims I've ever seen on a fight night card. If you're watching, you just saw me almost knock over my microphone. If you're listening, you heard me almost knock over my microphone. But that's all right here because we've got a fun fight card next week, and I'm ready for it. What do we got here? Five fun fights on the main card. That should be be some six fights on the main card. So, you know what? I think that is uh, all I have to say today. Make sure you t- tune in to UFC fight night. Dominic Reyes versus Yuri Prohashka. It's on ESPN too, not even on ESPN. Plus. And side notes, next week, two weeks from two weeks, in two weeks, we have Corey Sandhagen versus TJ Dillashaw. There's about 10 fights that I would do. Terrible things to see unnamely things to see there's there's a list of those fights, you know Max Holloway versus Tony Ferguson, you know Dan Hooker versus Eddie Alvarez. There's there's a hand there's there's some fights that I would do ridiculous things to be able to watch Corey Sanhagen and TJ Dillashaw is one of those fights. I usually don't talk about fights that are two weeks away This is, this, today is like, I don't even know what today's date is. We're still in April. This fight's on May 8th. Good God, I'm ready for it. I am ready for Cody, Corey Sanhagen versus TJ Dillashaw. The return of Dillashaw, Corey Sanhagen, who is a, a problem. Corey, Corey Sanhagen is the definition of a problem. Okay. Enough said. Fuck. Not, not enough said. Corey sanhagen flying knee finish over Eddie Alvarez or Frankie Edgar. TJ Dillashaw, absolute legend, champion, great performances in his career. Corey Sanhagen, spin and heel kick over Marlon Moraes. This is gonna be fireworks. I never talk about fights two weeks away. I'm gonna talk about it again next week but I feel like this is just something that I had to get out of my body and into this microphone because Corey Sanhagen versus T.J. Dillashaw could go down as an all-time great fight. This is a fight after, after Corey Sanhagen. After Corey Sanhagen knocked out Marlon Morais, I sat here, the same same desk, same chair, same microphone. I sat here, didn't even, didn't even have this yet. Didn't have this yet. Didn't have the flag. Nice little decoration back there. I sat here and I said, give, give Corey Sandhagen, and TJ Dillashaw. They didn't do it. They gave him Frankie Edgar. Corey sent him into a new dimension. And then, and then they came to, and I, I sat here again. I think I had the flag at this point. Some progression here. And then they made the fight. They made the fight. And good God, I'm ready for it. I'm here for it. TJ Dillashaw versus Corey Sandhagen. This bantamweight division is pumping. Good Lord, I'm excited. I'm almost, I'm, my adrenaline is pumping, sitting here thinking about Corey Sanhagen versus TJ Dillashaw. Good Lord, I'm ready. So, you know what? That was the last thing I had to talk about. Um, didn't really need to talk about it, but I felt like I had to if you know what I'm saying. So, thank you for watching the 26th episode of the Head Kick podcast. Make sure you come back for next week. Next week, we're going to be looking at this card, Yuri Prohaska versus Dominic Reyes. We just talked about it. Next week, I'll be giving you my thoughts, and then I'll be giving you my preview for Corey Sanhagen versus TJ Dillashaw. I'll have a prediction in there. I'll talk about the other fights on the card because I haven't done that yet. I just talked about the main event. But they didn't just give you an all-time great main event in terms of fight night. This is an all-time great fight night main event. They didn't just give you an all-time great fight night main event and then give you some scraps with it. There's some fun fights on this card as well. I'll talk about it next week. I'll talk about any other news we had next week. If we got news on Nick Diaz, I'll tell you about it. If we got news on Kamaru Usman, I'll tell you about it. If we got any other news, I'll tell you about it because I make sure to tell you about the news um, so thank you for what uh, uh, before before we sign off here. Make sure you go follow my Twitter, um, KO Pod on Twitter. Tweet a lot, tweet a lot. If you have questions, anything you want to talk to me about, shoot me a DM, add me in something. If you have a really good question, I'll talk about it on the podcast. So don't be afraid, don't be afraid. Shoot me a follow and interact with me on Twitter. If you're on TikTok, KO Podcast on TikTok. Okay, I post my full fight predictions with a more analytical um, viewpoint on TikTok and I give you some immediate reactions um, right after the card ended last night. I gave you my immediate reactions to UFC 261 and I give you some other things that I see throughout the week that I feel like I need to talk about. If there's ever something that I feel like I have to talk about it, I load up TikTok and uh, post a video on there. So make sure you go follow me on TikTok as well. And thank you for watching this episode of the Head Get KO podcast.